Introducing Mortgage Matters. This is a great time to go buy a house. This is when the real estate fortunes are made. A show dedicated to helping you navigate the challenging and ever-changing financial and real estate landscape. Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac were put into conservatorship in 2008 and continued to dominate the mortgage market. Now, your hosts, Dan Podesto and Jason Grody of Central Coast Lending. The fact that you're being called upon to help clean up Wall Street's mess... Is an outrage. Broadcasting outrage, live outrage. from the KVEC studios in San Luis Obispo. What economy are you talking about? It's talking about, time about. for Mortgage Matters. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Mortgage Matters. Hi, Dan. Hi. Great to be here. Happy May. Happy May. We made it. We made it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, this year's flying by, right? It all it is. The older I get, the faster it goes. My theory <laughs> is that it's tied to the first of the month. That mortgage or that rent payments due. <laughs> and so you you're looking for maximum space between those intervals and it's just on you quick because it's your big bill. Here it comes again. It's the first again. I think Yeah, that's... but I've been paying rent and or a mortgage for oh about twenty three years. Sure. And um it still seems like it's faster today Speeding than up. it was like ten years or twenty years ago. Yeah. I wonder why. Can you guys write your own mortgages or is there something not cool about that? Or we do. just curious about for your own houses? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. We, we can do our own. We, in fact, we've done our own. Yeah. Multiple times. <laughs> okay. Yeah, you, we can do our own. There's a little bit of... Um, you can't be... Like Jason can't be the loan officer for Jason's mortgage. Or underwrite my mm-hmm. own mortgage. Right. I, you're, ideally, you're not supposed to process it. Mm-hmm. Um, but anymore, I mean, that's a great question. And anymore, I'll just say that, um, we've gotten so good at being able to shake out whether or not people are being truthful. So that used to be the problem back in the day is would I, if I was trying to loan money to myself, right, which is the heart of your question, right. Or asking my employees to process a loan that would ultimately loan money to me. Um, would I have motivation to be deceitful and or would my employees feel pressure to do anything less than be honest and um the the answer there in in the big picture is probably for the most part you probably don't want to trust people or their employees Mm -hmm. doing something like that but um loans are so well documented now there's so much ability to catch fraud so much ability, like with the way that we double verify, triple verify almost everything. Um, I think basically the industry is just super comfortable with it. And I mean, also at the end of the day too, that we don't service any loans at all. So every loan we ever make, we, we sell and assign to a, a subsequent investor that's going to be a servicer. And, um, there's a there's a buyback like there's you know representations and warrants about the honesty and integrity of that whole loan and if it was ever determined that it was anything less than that you just buy it back and now you have a problem on your hands so mm-hmm. that probably adds a little bit to their their comfort but mm-hmm. yeah good question yeah i didn't i didn't know what the legal ramifications are of that there are some, as you could imagine, there are some banks that don't want 
They'll like they'll do any employee yeah. loan. Like we could do a loan for any one of our employees. There are some of them that don't want to do one for the broker. I think because you obviously you have so much influence, right? Um, but then there's plenty of banks that just believe that you're honest and ethical, which is the part that I I like those banks because I'm like, well, hang on a minute. You're willing to do business with my company knowing that I'm at the helm. But the minute that we want to do something for me, suddenly you have to question whether or not I'm honest and ethical. Right. So those companies that don't like to do our employee loans – uh, it immediately is like, well, wait a minute. Right. You, you, you either tr- accept us or you don't. You trust my decision making on every single loan that we sell you, but not on my own loan. Right. Yeah. And just, you know, it's like that. Um, <laughs> and they know everything about us. In order to be approved to sell loans to these banks, yeah. they pull our credit at least once a year. Um, they ask for personal financial statements. Um, you know, everything, I mean, they know everything Bank about our records, financial history. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's constantly being updated. They ask for quarterly financials on the company and regularly, I mean, it's a pretty yeah. rigorous so I was gonna say, um, and ongoing approval process to be able to, to sell loans in this business. It, we are regularly scrutinized. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and yeah. it's funny too, like, uh, the way that it's so ongoing, like Dan said, even quarterly, show us your updated financials. Um, it's like, man, you you really want to keep a tight tight leash on us, huh? Mm-hmm. Funny, but I mean, these financial transactions are pretty significant, so it doesn't really surprise me or bug me. Um, it's always been that way. If anything, it was probably sloppier way back in the day. Oh yeah, when everyone <laughs> when everyone could just become a mortgage broker or banker overnight. Even on temporary licensing or no licensing. In any state, on an exception, you could do loans. Mm-hmm. Back before 2008, you could, mm-hmm. I mean, some states would allow you to do unlimited loans. Some would say, oh, you could do three to five loans per year without As long licensing. as you just say, yeah. we don't solicit. <laughs> right. So I don't okay. run an ad in Nevada. Um, I don't solicit business there. And then they'd let you do transactions for any of your clients that would contact you by normal means wanting a loan in Nevada. I talk about lack of accountability back then, and it's not just that way completely anymore. different. It's yeah. 100% different now. Yeah. So, well, yeah. yeah. I just, I was, I've always just kind of wondered about that, if there was like some sort of like a, a no-no with that. Or, it no, doesn't seem that way. No. There's a, yeah, a couple little things you have to work around. But otherwise, yeah, we can do our own loans and... Um, and we do, uh, you know, most every loan that comes to our company funds in in the name of Central Coast Lending. Um, in fact, I'm sitting here, like we walked in here to yeah. the uh, radio show this morning to the mm. best of Slow County New Times issue. Yeah, I'm thinking Central Coast Lending should oh, probably the be cat on one of those and we're out just of the bag. So proud to announce that we were the winner this year mm-hmm. um, of the best in Slow for best mortgage company. Awesome, see, yeah, yeah. we've had the distinct pleasure of being the bridesmaid before. <laughs> right, we've been uh, we've been a runner up, but this was a. This is awesome to get. We've actually known for a month, but um, we've had to keep it hush hush here until the issue came out. Yeah, and uh, it's you know we've just been really excited um, that the community has responded mm-hmm. in such a positive way over these years and supported us and supported the thirty plus jobs we've created here in mm-hmm. the county. Yeah, um, thirty head of household jobs too in in this county, and um, and we appreciate every every one of our clients and everyone who voted uh, for us and gave us this recognition. It's really awesome. No, that's, that's really cool. That's something to be proud of, actually. Yeah. 
We got no. a we got a nice banner from the New Times that's definitely going to be hung up on a wall somewhere. <laughs> now we just need best weekend radio talk show. Um, yeah, I I'm, that's pretty. I'm pretty lobbying high. for that to be a category in the in next year's voting. You know what's funny about this too is is originally I just always believed this was more or less a popularity contest yeah. in terms of who could drum up votes, um, but. When you go in to vote for those best of slow, yeah. there's several hundred entries that span all yeah. of the industry, like all industries, right? Yeah, yeah. And you can't just log right in and vote for one person. Yeah, they, they make, make you, you vote, vote for, for like, yeah, 30 different businesses. Really? And so you have to really work That's for a it. commitment. I mean, yeah. I, I got to say, um, I I did I did the voting. Mm-hmm. I, of course, I voted for us. Can I just say that I'm allowed <laughs> to do that too, right? I mean, I believe we're the best with my whole heart. Well, of course, so I should you get to are. Cast that vote. Uh, um, are there any other mortgage companies? I don't know. I mean, there are other mortgage <laughs> companies for sure, and there's even I mean, there's some that I would venture to say that I like or and or respect. Um, but I do believe we're the best. So. Um, I don't know. I dig it because it's an easy category to skip by, right? Who gets excited about home loans? Who gets excited about mortgage companies? Well, and you, two go- you two do. I mean, we do. I, we do. <laughs> We're geeky. And, and, and 30-plus employees do. We're so. geeky like sure. that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, anyhow, it's a, and we're coming off the era too, where like the big bad banker and almost anything to do with financial industry is just not something that you would associate with the word best. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I feel like it's nice. It feels like an honor um, to have enough people take the time to go through that voting process and that we came out on top. So, yeah, definitely. Yeah. So thanks everybody that, um, that did that and voted for us and that love us. It's <laughs> nice to feel like loved, you know, we had our company meeting this last week. <laughs> nice. are, I, I like that you have access to that applause, but those are the most lackluster I know, applause. I know. Yeah, I it's like to, I've heard golf claps that are better than that clap. Andy Andy Morris put this in for us, and and it even calls it best clap. That's best not the clap. best. Like, uh, clap. We need yeah, we need a, a clap track where there's yeah. like the guy in the back who's Ooh, being just right. totally unruly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm just not sure that Some, I would that, call that, that loud mom whistler too. <laughs> yeah. so thank you, Andy. Thank you, Andy Morris. But let's work on a little bit better best best clap. Today. Um, yeah. So we had our company meeting this week, and it was. Uh, it was cool to be able to like talk with the whole staff about it and just make a big deal about being the best. And um, looking around that room again, I I know wholeheartedly why we're the best. It still is really a very family esque business. I mean, we're we got uh, so many just friends and. Um, just long time employees and there's even, you know, it's like people have brought their best friend into the business and then their father-in-law that come in and want to, want to work with us. And it, it all, that's all part of that, that company culture and that, um, just that I call it the CCL vibe. I yeah. mean, it, it feels right. And, and um, ironically, as we, as we celebrated for a moment with our staff about this 
honor of winning Best in Slow, we spent the majority of the meeting talking about how we could be better. <laughs> <laughs> we sure did. Um, because there's always room for improvement. <laughs> well, dude, obviously. I, look, I, I love those. Every time someone in the media tries to like get a comment from Mike Trout, <laughs> to like to tell us how great you are you know tell us what it feels like to get paid like this tell us what it feels like to be the best at everything and he's just always like man the guys around me are amazing and i'm just working hard we're working hard we're working together and um yeah there's no matter how good you think you are you better be trying to get better because your competition is right yep. everybody i i think that's part of the human condition is just to get better um be better we have a competitive spirit within us just as a race i believe right the human race is just out to yeah be better and thank god because like look we have cell phones and autopiloted cars that was a result <laughs> of somebody trying to be better than somebody else guaranteed <laughs> pretty cool um all right. So, other things that happened this week, we have a we have a guest coming on for the middle hour here, kind of as you know that that donutted section here. So, I want to do a little bit in the front, a little bit in the back. Um, two pretty big things to talk about this week. A little bit of housing data, but the, there's two pretty big big things that that occurred this week. The Fed had their this was an April 30 May one meeting. Um, where the Fed gets together, has the open market committee meeting. Um, and then also, of course, Friday brings us the employment situation for the nation. So those are, those are both pretty big deals. Um, I definitely want to spend a little bit of time talking about those. And then I think at the tail end of the show, um, there's some economic data, some housing-related data, um, that I definitely want to be able to touch on. So um, in the interest of time management, I think it'd be great for us to to um, take a quick break and then we'll get back and we'll jump in and talk about the Fed meeting. And that's going to tie nicely into this jobs report. Um, then that'll bring us into our, our segment here with our, um, with our solar host. Uh, if that sounds boring, by the way, if solar sounds boring to you... Um, I don't think it is, and I don't know if you guys saw PG and E's already proposing some significant changes to pricing, mm-hmm. um, and it's it's I I think it's a worthwhile conversation. That's why I asked Mike Belford um, from AM Sun Solar to come on today with us. So let's do this break. Okay. We'll hustle back and dive right into it. Stick around for more Mortgage Matters. everybody welcome back what song is that one do it again steely down okay i thought so but it also sounded like it could be like some non-vocal kind of free version of it well it's a non-vocal i don't know if it's free okay it is not but it's actually steely dan it's not just their song i believe it is yeah it's stealing down the, the instrumental part there's the break that you know right there, there it is Yep, there it is. Um, cool, exciting. Dan Clarita. 
that's the um our buddy from the Fed uh, that I was trying to think of, Richard Clarita. Oh, okay. Um, I'm like, that's not my last. He's name. out. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, I was trying to remember no. his name because we're down for a long time, yeah. and I've never heard the word Clarita. He's <laughs> the vice chair. He's the vice chair of the Fed, so I should have been able to remember his name. But all that came to my mind every time I was trying to draw his name up was Candida, um, which is very close. Um, I but think, in fact, different. if I called him Richard Candida. <laughs> Um, he would probably respond. Yeah. Um, but it's not Candida. It's Richard Clarita. Yeah. Um, he's out today. Uh, I was watching Squawk Alley this morning, as um, I like to do whenever I can find the time. Uh, just fun to have all those guys talking, you know, picking up the immediate news things that are cracking in the kind of intraday of Wall Street. Mm-hmm. And Richard Clarita was quoted this morning as basically saying, um, we're at neutral. Rates are at neutral. Know it. Accept it. And I thought, well, I knew that we were heading to neutral, and I knew that we kind of changed place that of from the rate hike environment, we changed over to, like, a, you know, wait and see. Um, and, yeah, bottom line is he, he really is not being shy about letting us know that he's feeling that we're at neutral. So um, the Fed met up this last week, uh, the two-day meeting, and chose not to raise rates. That wasn't a surprise, was it? No. Um, interestingly enough, before the meeting and um, the end of the meeting on the first, the Fed was um, had a, a likelihood of a rate decline before a hike this year, and that is gone. So all the folks that were thinking that it was more likely that we were going to get a decline than a hike in the probably December meeting this year mm-hmm. um, have backed off of that. And um, I I uh, pretty regularly lately have been sitting here saying, I, I get it, the inverted yield curve has everybody looking and pointing at the inverted yield curve. But what else is it about the economy that has people begging for uh, decline in in the Fed rate. It's not a three point two percent first quarter GDP. I'll tell you that because we've had so many years where first quarter is the worst quarter of the year. Oh and yeah. Here we are at three point two percent on this recent GDP reading. Um, we have the the stock indices are all time highs. highs. Yeah. Right? Everything's strong and stable. Um, you know when these Fed meetings occur. The language is important, and and everyone hangs on every word to analyze that and what it means, and and so I'll, and gonna, which words do you change? Do you right. swap a word out or use a new word with stronger meaning or more subdued meaning? So here's a few words for you from this most recent meeting this week. Um, the Fed is extending its promise to be patient. They use that word patient to hold monetary policy steady, reflecting that um, neutral that that you're talking about that we've that we're at in the economy um they talked about core inflation which has obviously been a big factor in the rate policy here and and the slow um rise in the benchmark (laughs) rates here and the the index that they look at the core pce price index actually declined and is continuing to run below two percent it declined um, to 1.6%. So that's where the core um, inflation index that the Fed looks at is running is at 1.6%. They want it to be north of two. 
Um, economic activity, however, is is described by the Fed as solid, growing at a solid rate. Um, and then they also use the term solid to describe the labor market. So none of these things are bad. In fact, all of them point to stability and growth. Yeah. So. Yeah. The um, It's interesting, like you said, and you said it somewhat nonchalantly, which I think is just because we're conditioned to it, but um, that inflation measure declined in a in a place where we're asking it to increase. And, you know, just again, to tie back to the people that um, one of the just the most basic things about rate manipulation here is that um, you can spur on a, a struggling economy with a rate cut. And when you have an economy that's dangerously overheating, you can cool it off a little bit with some rate hikes. And usually dangerously overheating is leading to rapid overvaluation of assets, uh, rapid inflation, right? That's the cycle. And so, yeah, we see the um, we see the Fed basically say that they have minimal concern at this point over inflation, believing that this um, this reduction of inflation or softness in inflation is a temporary thing. And basically that there isn't real case in either direction to raise or lower rates and just doubles down on that strategy of um, just a, a good old fashioned wait and see. And so that's what we see. That's what we're expecting. Um, I think it helps the markets to all have a good feeling about going forward. We sort of understand what the framework is and can figure out how to live within. It looks like the next Fed meeting will be mid-June uh, with a release on June 19th. So, and I, and I believe that's the meeting where there would be a... a more formal press conference afterwards. So that's the more likely meeting where if they were going to make some action, whether up or down that it would be at a meeting like that one. Um, so we'll see. It's hard for me to imagine that they're going to raise rates next month on account of it would undermine the confidence because these words are so deliberate. And the idea is to say, look, we're being really patient. We're super patient. There's no big case for up or down. We just are on a wait and see. You can't really go make policy change within 30 days of such strong sentiment in that direction. So if anything, I would be looking more to next month's Fed meeting to set the stage for, hey, the case is being made now. We're seeing inflation come up. We're seeing employment remain strong. We're we're getting a second reading now on that first quarter GDP. The environment feels like we might be able to evaluate the potential of another rate increase. That would be letting everybody know, hey, get ready for next time. You might learn that news. Uh, I don't believe we go from a meeting like this to the next meeting and experience a rate hike. And if anything, this last meeting and and brief statement just makes me, and and again, the whole rest of the market, accept the fact that we're not getting a rate decrease. Um, There isn't going to be a cut anytime soon, really, unless this data shifts in a major way. And it's really not. Um, because of jobs. So let's, let's hop on into the jobs piece here. Um, I want to start with this because I like the drive by headline and we can dive into it a little bit here, but the unemployment rate in Friday's employment situation report, the unemployment rate decreased to 3.6%. 
which is the lowest national unemployment rate since December of 1969. Yeah, that's crazy. That's a long time ago. 49-year low. So that's pretty good, right? Um, I did see, and I said, like I said, it's a it's a little bit of a drive-by headline, um, which is going to... I mean, it's going to ensnare a few of you to want to click the article. Most of you are just going to accept right at at face value that that's just really phenomenal. Um, Part of the decrease in the unemployment rate was due to 490,000 individuals leaving the workforce. Um, So that just changes the divisor enough that it makes the the percentage look a little bit better. Um, So we've kind of seen this trend with the employment situation report where we have strong job growth, but um, employment rates where they're actually unemployment rates actually going up. And it's because people see there's hiring going on and more people are are entering. I'll throw my hat in the ring. But here we're actually seeing the opposite. And this is coming off the heels of a four month run of great. I mean, I know there was one really bad month mixed in there, but the four-month average of of, hi- of monthly hirings was, I mean, it's it's around what this month was, around 250,000 per month. So we've it's not like we've had bad months here in a row where people would be losing confidence in their ability to get jobs. This is this is coming on a very strong almost half-year period of hiring that we're seeing people leaving the labor market. So this feels different a little bit than some of the other times we've seen people leaving the labor market. Yeah. I mean, the participation rate went, went from uh, 63 down to 62.8. So that literally means that there's that percentage of people just said, you know what? I'm done with this whole work thing. It's not good enough for me. Or they you said know, it's time. Or they said I don't need to. It's time. I don't need to. <laughs> right. Um, I'm, I'm ready. My I'm ready to stocks retire. in my retirement are, <laughs> and my real estate portfolio and my whatever are booming. Right. And maybe you are just ready to, I don't know, just become a Uber slash Lyft driver and spend your days in the in that beach chair in Avila. I don't know what your game plan is, but people are leaving the workforce and those are people that are leaving the workforce by choice. That's a voluntary metric there. Mm -hmm. So um, that's interesting. Also in this jobs report, hourly wages increased 0.2%, which is the same as March. It's a little bit below expectation, um, but not bad. And the annual rate still sits at 3.2%, which I'd say is pretty good, especially since we just talked about that PCE index hanging out at one point. What is it now? 1.6? 1.6. But it doesn't, it's core PC, so it doesn't include things like energy. Gas. <laughs> Which, you know, I wanted to talk about gas because you would think we would have had a lot more jobs created for people joining the job force, getting that second job to be able to fill the tank up. Yeah. It's getting expensive now at the gas tank. It is. It's approaching four. Some places are over four. And then they had a fire down at a refinery in Colton, I think. Oh, really? So it may go up even more. Yeah. I got, <laughs> I, I had to fill up in Los Osos yesterday yeah. and I think my 87 octane was about 429 a gallon. Oh my gosh. Um, same 87 octane in Morro Bay at the mobile there is 379 today. So, I got 
I got. I don't get that. That's a just you know, it's an extra road the truck has to take to go deliver the gas. Yeah. So I guess that's worth fifty cents more. I guess. Hmm. Yeah, or <laughs> yeah. It's the owner of that building saying, <laughs> "Maybe, maybe there's different pull in here. You operational costs. You can pay me, <laughs> right? That's right. I um, I don't know what it is in Cambria right now. That uh, wants to, it's probably it's not cheap. Be, I would imagine it's more, right? Yeah, usually more expensive. I'm sure. The other thing that's funny about gas too, like I remember when I worked at Caltrans and I had access to the Caltrans vehicles. So when you went out on an assignment, you would check out one of the, you know. Yeah. Caltrans trucks and grab a gas card. If yeah. you needed gas, you just grab the Caltrans gas card. And there are gas stations, like eligible gas stations that you right. would go to. Mm. And would it surprise you guys to know that like the preferred gas station for me was, and I probably shouldn't name who it is, but it was one of the ones that's like, it's on um, Madonna. So that narrows it down a little bit, right? Mm-hmm. One of those stations where if it's my swiper that's going in that machine there's no way i'm getting gas there it's like notoriously 80 cents a gallon more than if you just cross the freeway right um and but yeah that was it was caltrans you just swipe there so sometimes i wonder about that if it's because there's those those sweet government contracts that Mm -hmm. um well, Keep they get a the... bulk buy, I'm sure, too. You know, or a get fleet a card discount. Or something. I know it's gotten the, so don't feel too bad. the governor's attention. <laughs> I, was, I, I participate in an advisory board to the Morro Bay Chamber of Commerce. And this month we got um, a legis- or Yeah, I guess it would be a, uh, a government update. It's a government affairs committee. We had an update from a representative from Salute Carbajal's office, from Jordan Cunningham's office, and then... Uh, local city council and mayor for Morro Bay um, where representatives were there as well. And the, um, I can't remember if it was the Carbajal or Cunningham camp, but one of them said that the governor has been basically hands in the air. What is going on with gas in California? Why is it like this? I know a lot of people like to point at the gas tax, but and the summer it, blend. As I remember, a few months ago when gas was three twenty nine, mm-hmm. um, the tax was the, the same. tax was still there, and it's yeah. all of twelve cents or whatever it sure. is. So, what what made it go from three twenty nine to four twenty nine in a short period of time? I don't yeah. get it. I mean, it's not like is there that much more demand in the last couple months? Well, I can't s- imagine that's the case. Some people uh, are saying the summer blend. The summer, the summer blend sounds like great rhetoric for, yeah. it just sounds like nonsense to me. It's true. Yeah. I mean, there's a blend. different summer blend that's used yeah. in California. Why isn't everyone doing it? Why isn't there a summer blend of milk and a summer Dan, blend yeah. of Dan. Coca-Cola? <laughs> wow, Dan. <laughs> I mean, give me a break. Yeah. The summer blend. Yeah. No. I think... Yeah. Don't let your blood pressure go up about gas. Yeah, I'm just I'm thinking gas about the taxes, summer blend mortgage we're about to roll out. Gas prices, all <laughs> it just is what it is. And if you don't like it, buy a Tesla. Yeah, right. <laughs> charge I'm it off. Just wondering too. Charge it off the sun, man. More yeah. as we go into electric cars, if gas will go up, just because there is less demand that way. I don't know. They just need it to. To keep, keep the, operating, you know, the, yeah. maybe I don't know. CO man. Needs, the CEO go, still needs to make all those. Go millions. check out the market manipulation of OPEC. I mean, they just add or remove Barrels. supply <laughs> yeah. um, with all their buddies yeah. um, just to to make sure that they 
they're getting what they want and when they want it. And so I believe that a reduction in the demand likely leads to an overall reduction in the, you know, mm-hmm. the demand that they'll want for their price. Yeah. You know what I mean? But who knows? So I, I do feel like we probably are, you know, 20 ways, 20 years probably away from most cars on the road are going to be some no longer gas and probably no longer piloted by the knucklehead texture (laughs) behind the wheel. So just to, you know, finish up the employment thing, we added 263,000 jobs in the month of April. Boom. And it was very much in line with the ADP employment report that came out midweek, which showed 275,000 jobs added. So great months it keeps up that roughly 250,000 per month um addition uh, that we've seen for the last now 5 months in a row it's pretty pretty incredible rate of hiring coming off of 10 years of incredible hiring it's just keeps on going when you think that there's no one else to hire there's we just keep hiring it's amazing um couple of other little things for the geeks that like to get into the weeds here. The U6 component of this, which is the underemployment rate, held steady at 7.3%. Um, for those of you unfamiliar with the U6, this is the uh, measure of those who are underemployed. They want to work more. They're part-time looking for full-time or they're... Working below skill level. Yeah, working below skill level just to be employed because their job is tough now. Um, so that one holding steady, good to see that going down. So just again, holding steady there, but, um, and then lastly, government payrolls climbed by 27,000. So they're, they're making up 10% of the job growth right there. Look at those guys go mm-hmm. government big and getting bigger. Good jobs too. Those are head of household jobs. Um, all right. Breaky time. I think good. so. Yeah. Going to do a commercial break here. I'm going to go grab my guest out of the green room. and um, Glacial green room today. Yeah, since we've been talking about solar uh, charging cars that are, um, you know, those gas guzzlers. like to switch over into this conversation. We talk about solar on the home and why taxes, PG&E, if you're paying an electric bill, uh, get ready to pay more, I think is part of that conversation. So anyhow, we're going to do that. So let's go ahead and, and do it. Are we ready? Ready for we break time? We are ready to fire the break. Hit it. We'll be back in a minute with more Mortgage Matters. everyone welcome back we just went and fetched our our mike mike belford and sun solar from the green room and so we got some time with them here we got about an hour to spend together i'm pretty pumped about it and before you say a word right now um i just want everybody to know that mike and i belong to a networking group together so we get together every week 
And Mike has this uh, way that he like he does he calls it his radio voice. So since we're here on the radio now, um, <coughs> you should introduce yourself with that radio voice that's so polished right here on the radio. You made me promise not to. No, are no, I love it. Here? I love it. I want to hear it. There we go. Good morning, everyone. It's Mike <laughs> Belford with AM Sun Solar. <laughs> wow, that's good. That was awesome. Yeah, there we are. It's funny that uh, it is good. Yeah, There's no, a. Uh, I was watching the news this morning. He's got a career morning. radio. That AM Solar Sun Solar thing doesn't work out, but I think uh, he's probably doing fine with that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was watching the news this morning, and they they were cut cut to some affiliate that was introducing a story and she spoke that way through her whole story you know but authorities don't believe that he uh, you know and it's like come on you can't keep that up <laughs> for five phony. minutes straight it <laughs> yeah. sounds so contrived um anyways mike thanks for joining us today thanks for having me back i'm excited to have you um and you guys are official sponsor of the show now, so thank you for that. Indeed, it's been a great uh, format for us. It's working out. Good. Um, so you guys are all things solar, and uh, I I thought um, first and foremost, because um, I don't want to say solar companies are a dime a dozen, but it kind of feels that way right now, um, but... You guys have been around, right? Yeah, we were founded 18 years ago in Atascadero. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we've grown a ton in the last few years. We're close to 60 people now. That's substantial. Yeah, it's great. It's really great for us because now we're of the size where we're able to offer, you know, benefits, health benefits, vision, yeah. all that kind of well, stuff. Well, you have to once you cross that 50 mark, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it really helps us when it comes to retaining good talent. Sure. It makes a big difference. Helps you when, uh, you know, glasses break and stuff like that too, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was just telling uh, Dan when I came in that my, my cat sat on my very expensive glasses and, and broke them. <laughs> so I picked up a set at the Dollar Tree, and, you know, they're working for now. Yeah. Luckily, it's radio, not a lot of reason. <laughs> yeah. Those glasses look great. Well, thanks. They don't work that well, but, you know, I'll work it for now. Yeah. So um, let's jump in here and talk about uh, – I kind of want to just get right to it um, – the solar conversation, I think, there's some people that are listening right now that can't wait to see if they can glean some helpful information. Um, I think there's others that are listening right now that are on that fence about solar and wondering um, if and when. And then I think there are other people that don't even know that they should start paying attention to solar because they just haven't been a part of the conversation. And so I just want to say... Um, most of us are going to figure it out, uh, by way of the pocketbook, right? I mean, just at some point, it's just expensive. I heard recently that PG and E is already proposing some additional, uh, changes to their price structure. Is that true? It is true. And there's more on the way. Uh, there was an article published and, and we've been sharing it on social media through, uh, AM Sun Solar's, uh, social platforms, but PG&E has already been granted rate increases that amount to about 22 to 25 bucks for the average electric consumer. 
So when you consider, you know, an average bill, depending on where you live, is about 150 bucks. That's a pretty big increase. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Yeah. And so I, I heard in another, through another source, and I, yeah, I don't know if this is exactly true, uh, but pg and already been granted about 12% in rate increases this year. They're still asking for more this year, which may or may not be granted. When you consider historically over the last 50 years, the rate increases have averaged between 4 and 6%. Annually, annually, and, and you know that, that annual. Does it when you do look over that fifty-year period, and and I wonder if you even know this, but is it does it happen in like big bumps every once in a while, or is it just consistently adjust a little bit every year? Pretty much consistently every year. Uh, there have been some aberrations, but yeah, they get a little bit per year. So there's no reason to believe that rates are going to go up from here over the next twenty, thirty years. <laughs> There's absolutely no evidence that it, they'll ever go down. They, uh, you know, just given the, given the challenges that all utilities are facing, especially PG&E with the fires and all that, and it's widely publicized, um, they're facing some serious challenges, and they're going to have to get rate increases to get relief. The PUC has already signaled that they're on board with that. We have to have a utility. It has to get paid for. Uh, rate increases are really their only choice. Yeah, I know. That's, I mean, that's the sad reality of it. It's it a is. fact. And I'll tell you, like you mentioned a minute ago about the fires and, um, man, that's a, that's such a, a touchy, interesting little thing because I get it. It's utility and we need it and we want it. We also expect a certain amount of safety, right? Um, PG and E has been found as have other electric providers have been found to, um, be at fault. You know, it's kind of a point of origin for some of the, um, fire activity. And of course, then there's widespread de- destruction and then the worst possible thing, which is loss of life. And then you have folks looking for some liability and want some, uh, compensation and 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 I'd have to say I mean there's a the real big part of me that says rightfully so right if you if there's a fire that breaks out because of something that wasn't maintained or was negligent or in 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 some way then it it kills somebody that provides for a family or something you know that the the responsible party should have some financial responsibility to make sure that that, that family or that those people are taken care of I agree with that However, um, it gets dicey quick because yeah. then what happens, and this is what I think we're going to see throughout the summer here, is um, in an effort to mitigate risk and exposure on those super hot days, in those super hot months when the fire danger is incredibly high, um, PG&E will just shut down some parts of the grid. Just to mitigate the possibility of some kind of problem happening there and and prevent themselves from finding themselves as um, ground zero of a a wildfire. I think you summarized it perfectly. That is PG&E's plan. Uh, They've already published a map of uh, severe risk areas and moderate risk areas, and most of our county is in one or the other. Um, they look, they're being held liable for being the origin of the fires. So the only thing they can do to prevent that from happening is to cut the power to those areas. So it's kind of a no win situation. 
So I'll tell you what, our, our phone is ringing off the hook right now uh, with people looking for ways to use solar and battery backup to guard themselves against, you know, a several day outage. You know, when, when fire risk gets high, it stays high for a week or two. Right. And so what are you going to do if they, if they cut the power? For a week, you know, how are you going to stay comfortable? How are you going to be able to maintain your food in your refrigerator or freezer? Well, yeah. And what if you're on a well pump? Right. Or you have in-home oxygen, you know, needs due to something medical. There's some people where it's a lot more important. We'd, I'd probably be able to tough it out on account of I got my camping stuff out in the shed. (laughs) We'll be all right. You know, I could run some lanterns and things like that i do have solar on my house and interestingly enough this is really funny mike when um when i got my solar we talked about that battery system right and you know what my at the end of the day i decided not to you know what my primary rationale was if you look at in a tascadero 365 days a year on average how many down days are there a year because of the the grid, you know. In other words, if I lived in remote Alaska where the grid was unstable and I was down 100 days a year, I could justify throwing batteries in there because I don't want to have to deal with this thing for 100 days a year. Right. But in a task at all, I mean, what's the uptime? It's 365 and three quarters days a year where I am. That's been my experience in Slow County for a good long time. Yeah, um, it's real. I. <laughs> You know, my kids are young, and we had the power go out maybe once last year, and they freak out. I mean, they're just <laughs> used to lights being on when they need them. And the one time in the last couple of years I can remember the power went out, we're, like, getting candles out, and they're thinking the end of the earth is happening. Um, but no, it was just, we're like, it's just a power outage, no big deal. We just light some candles. I mean, I feel like that's kind of a reasonable reaction. (laughs) It freaks me out a little bit. If you don't understand why the power's out or how long it's going to be Well, when I was a kid, it was a much more frequent thing, and now it's not. The system feels really stable and up, right? Yeah. So... Anyhow, now now I sit here thinking, well, shoot, if that's going to be the case, do I need a battery? I'm in a better place. Even though I don't have a battery, I'm in a better place because I have solar. And I can plug certain appliances like a fridge or a freezer or whatever right into my inverter as long as the sun's out and have a little bit. But as soon as the sun goes down, I don't have any batteries. I don't have anything. I'll be waiting for the next day, right? So, Grid-tied solar without a battery backup is automatically disabled when it stops sensing power availability from the grid so if you have solar if you have solar you're out of luck just like the rest of us uh in the event of a power outage um but i agree with you if you live in town my inverter has plugs on it and my solar guy told me i can plug my stuff into it when the sun's out there are inverters like that so yes you have an outlet or two worth of power available depending on you know how much sun is at the moment it's probably not going to get you by for the longer haul, but <laughs> I figure it's not you a, know it's it, not an end plan. Yeah, I mean, if you need to, you know, charge your cell phone or something, uh, you, you might be able to run a cord and, and plug in your your fridge. But yeah, yeah, no. If you live in town, power's been remarkably stable over the last several years. It's not been the giant problem that it was in the past, uh, but things have changed, and especially if you're out side of town out in rural areas you're looking at some trouble this year well, well also, different rates at different times of day too does the battery backup allow you to you know get the best priced power all the time it does yeah uh, i've got a lot of info about batteries so you should probably dig into that a little bit 
We got to do a break here, and when we get back, I want to talk more about that too because the other, the other, um, what is it, the eight hundred pound gorilla in the room or something, um, is the fact that the, our local nuke plant's going offline. So that, there's some ramifications there too that we're going to be dealing with in a couple of years. So we're going to do our quick top of the hour commercial break. I'll be back in a few minutes here with another hour of Mortgage Matters. We hope you stick around. guys welcome back appreciate you all being here with us we got a whole nother hour to go we have mike belford from am sun solar um man i thought you mentioned earlier on your social media that you guys were sharing some pertinent info and i thought that i had already liked you on social media and i just logged in right now to find out that i hadn't so you just got a new like mike outstanding yeah, um, I like to stay up to date on those things that are going on. And um, so much of the social media thing, I think, is filled with like junk about what Kim Kardashian's eating for dinner or something, <laughs> right? Right. I care very little about that, but I like relevant businesses that are sharing expertise and relevant information with me. Check that out. You guys got some pictures on here? Some good-looking solar systems. Um, so as you guys would expect through the break, um, we talked to Mike about solar the whole time. Um, oftentimes, the conversations during the break should just be reserved for conversations after the break because they're very good. Um, so let's start here. You said our phone is ringing off the hook with... Yeah, the most popular topics. It's very, very busy in solar right now. And the the main things people are wondering about and calling us about are the battery backup. Um, a lot of people are also looking into electric vehicles and they want to know, you know, how much solar would they need to power their electric vehicle? What's the answer to that question? Uh, it depends. <laughs> <laughs> how much do you drive? Which vehicle? Yada, yada. Yeah, well, if you, let's say that you had like a, a Tesla um, the middle of the road one, and you drove 10,000 miles a year. So the math works like this. Uh, a, a Tesla Model 3 requires about one kilowatt hour of electricity to go three miles. So, you know, how many? Yeah, I've got a calculator built. And the easiest way to do it is for me to um, just have a, a quick discussion with people about, okay, how many miles do you drive per year? Uh, which vehicle are you thinking of getting? Uh, do you have access to charging other places than your home, like a supercharger or, or you know, sometimes you see them at a Target or whatever. Uh, do you have access to that? And what percentage of the time would you be charging away from your home? And then I take that data and add it to your historical data powering just your home without the electric vehicle. And then we have the, the, the total number of kilowatt hours that you're going to need and we can size 
uh, solar system to at, meet that need. At a kilowatt for every three miles, um, that's a lot, man. That's like that would almost take up the solar production that I have on my house. If you don't have solar, it's pretty expensive way to buy fuel, <laughs> you know. Uh, but because of the rise in electric vehicles, PG&E has come up with a new rate plan specifically for electric vehicles. And it's a very powerful rate plan if you can shift that charging load to the middle of the night. And it's easy to do with most electric vehicles. They have a very intuitive huh. display that says, okay, uh, when you get home, you pull into the garage, you just plug it in. But the charging doesn't start until you've until the time you've programmed it to sure. start. Uh, what's great about it in conjunction with solar is that, that that rate plan makes power very, very expensive during the peak time of the day. It's like 48 cents a kilowatt hour. Very expensive. But that's when you're making power. So you're banking it at a very high rate. Now, the power costs for the middle of the night when you should be charging your electric vehicle is only 12 cents a kilowatt hour. So you're getting about a four to one trade. And if you're on a solar plan, though, will they honor that tier for you in the middle of the night? Or is it just going to go into the whole lump with the power bank like you have? Net, uh, the, the, the arrangement you have with pg e is called net energy metering. Yeah. And that's a 20-year agreement that you enter into with them that says we're going to trade power in this way. Now, within that, you can change rate plans. Um, so right now, if you go solar and you don't have an electric vehicle, you have to go, well, everybody's going to have to go on a time of use rate plan. Time of use rate plans make power more expensive during the peak parts of the day and less expensive like in the early mornings, late nights, weekends, holidays, that kind of thing. Um, it's just more the, the difference in the cost between the low cost power at night and the high cost power at the peak part of the day is much higher under the electric vehicle rate. So let's say you're already uh, on solar, you've already got your your appropriate rate plan, then you get an electric vehicle, you would then change to the electric vehicle rate plan, and man, it works a lot better. Like in your case, you already have solar. Yeah. Uh, The power of that rate plan is such that you may not have to add any more solar to to power your car if you can shift the heavy loads to the cheaper times of day. Uh, Even though we're not making as many kilowatt hours as you consume, the dollar value of the kilowatt hours that we're banking is such that we're getting such an advantageous trade that you can get away with producing a lot less, a lot fewer kilowatt hours than you use, if that makes sense. Yeah. Question for you. You had mentioned that the average household has an electric bill around 150 bucks a month. I'd say that's pretty average, yeah. How, how many kilowatt hours of power is being produced for that average household with that bill? Oh, you're testing my math on this one. I think it's about 500 kilowatt hours per month results in uh, $150, and that's eh, just kind of rough math. Okay. Yeah. So the electric vehicle, for nice round numbers, let's say you're driving 12,000 miles per year, 1,000 miles per month, three miles per kilowatt hour, you're going to add another 333 kilowatt hours. So roughly, what, two-thirds of of that bill. Right. So you're going to go from $150 a month to now 250 bucks a month yeah. or something like that. Right. About like that. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So I, um, and I can, I can throw myself on this sword. I didn't, when I did my solar, I didn't know you in the solar world. And so I just 
didn't get the counsel that your clients are going to get. So I'm a little bit disappointed about that, but that's life. Um, I didn't think around the curve. And well, we weren't even having this conversation a year ago. Yeah. Even even though EVs were already a thing. So I wish that I had, right? I wish that I had because I would have probably left some capacity there believing that that's coming, right? It's just got to be. And um, so good to plan for it. So now as I evaluate, um, like I said, I've been looking at that used Tesla market, wondering if you could pick one up, you know, with 30 or 40,000 miles on it. Does the cost there, you know, offset by the gas? There's, I'm a break-even guy, right? So I'm looking at the break-even point and trying to figure out the the warranty on the battery and all that kind of thing. And the, you know, does it does it all make sense? And for me, I keep thinking, not knowing about that electric vehicle plan, a rate plan with PG&E, I was just thinking you almost have to live around um, going to the free charging stations, right? Like I'm up in Atascadero, there's one less than a mile from my office. So I could go there, like park over there for a while. And then, you know, there's one at Madonna uh, than any of the other shopping centers. I just have not the superchargers, but the charging system. And then I feel like, well, now you're just like tethering your entire existence to where can I get my car to charge <laughs> for free or something, right? Right. Not um, really practical. The revival of the shopping mall. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> Luring people in with their free Shop Everybody charge. to Westfield Plaza <laughs> yeah. for the better part of a day. <laughs> Go watch a movie there, then do your shopping, <laughs> then have lunch. Well, I mean, most folks... Look, if it were me, I would want to charge completely at home because I really don't want to be inconvenienced. I have a busy and hectic schedule. I really don't have time to be sitting by a charger. And most people probably agree with that. If you think about, if you're able to control your charging, let's say you have a a real predictable, you know, life schedule and you're able to be home every night and have that thing charged in and the charge automatically begins at 11 p.m. and it's all done before 7 a.m., um, which is very typical. Uh, you could go from nothing to full with a class two charger in about six hours. Okay. Right. So if you look at 12 cents a kilowatt hour for that electricity during that time of day on the electric vehicle rate plan, uh, it's costing you four cents a mile roughly to fuel your vehicle. Uh, and another consideration is that electric vehicles require a lot less maintenance. Right. So there's a lot fewer costs of, of ownership in that regard. Yeah, the motor needs maintenance at 750,000 miles. Well, and there's about <laughs> 10% of the number of moving parts in an electric vehicle compared to a combustion engine. Right. So that's a buck 20. So, so what? Like a lot of cars are like around 30 miles a gallon, right? Well, that's or a lot. I mean, I, yeah, 30 miles a gallon. Yeah, That's 20, a lot. 20, 25. Well, say, we're pushing towards more. Let's say 30. Okay, let's I say think 30. Say and a 25. gallon of gas, gallon of gas is... Four bucks. Four Call bucks. Four, four bucks. bucks. Well, on your four cents a mile to drive 30 miles, you're spending a buck 20. Right. So big difference. It's like 1950 prices or... Right. I don't know. Maybe... That's too far back. So, you know, (laughs) that's not the only consideration for people to buy a car. I mean, some people drive a Lexus and other people drive a Ford, you know, and there's all different ranges of vehicles. So there's a lot that goes into people's considerations for that. If you're just looking for the pure financial break even, if you drive a lot, supposing that you have enough range on your electric vehicle, it it pays off quicker if you drive a lot. You know, the more you drive, the the better it does. 
Yeah, like Dan. Dan. <laughs> I have Dan, a two-mile commute Yeah, to Dan work. drives like <laughs> such a short distance to work. And, um, you know, then I feel like I just, I'm, all, I'm racing between all of our offices all the time for all the things. And I still manage to drive like... 30,000 miles a year or something. Well, I want to drive less. I really do. Believe me when I tell you that. That's a lot. But, you know, I, I have things to do. Plus, I have kids. And that's probably going down now that my older boy is driving. And he's helping out with some of the back and forth to school truck, and though. whatever. <laughs> I mean, he will too. But at least it's just not me having to sit behind the wheel all the time. <laughs> Bottom line is I do drive a lot. And that's clear that the more you drive, the more it shifts that savings into your favor um i also think there's a substantial component um we got into this conversation i think a lot of the solar conversation starts around the pocketbook right because that's most investments but there's a whole nother side to this isn't there there is there's there's that i call it the greater good component you know you people are interested in producing clean energy it's an efficient way to produce energy when you consider that it's right on your roof and its point of generation is very, very close to its point of consumption. Uh, when you compare that to the old model of electricity where it was, it was centralized versus today is decentralized, but some power plant in Utah fired a bunch of natural gas, <coughs> turned a turbine, uh, made electricity, and then it was, you know, traveled over hundreds of miles of high-tension, uninsulated wires where about half of that electricity just went away. Right. It's lost. So it's more efficient in that regard. It definitely is a greener take on it. But I would agree with you. Most people's consideration for solar is uh, primarily in the economic realm. You had it's, said, I think, last time you were here that a uh, um, average monthly bill of around seventy-five bucks is where it started to make sense to incorporate solar. Or do you have an update? Or there's a lot of the, uh, prices have been relatively uh, stable. Um, I, I think I mentioned before that solar pricing can be pretty volatile in terms of you know what panels are available and at what price. Uh, but since we last talked, it's been pretty stable since then. Um, site variables matter like do you have a good south facing roof or do we have to face it east yeah that that matters a lot because a panel costs the same but the closer you point it towards south the more it makes Mm. you know um so you know i think we're starting to see that people that have uh, lower bills under a hundred dollars say around the 75 dollar average bill per month they're starting to see the wisdom in it not necessarily for the now but they're trying to hedge themselves against future rate increases because that's really what you're doing when you're making yourself a power plant is mm-hmm. the, you know, literally what you're doing. Um, and so to the extent that you can make your own power, you are then insulated from whatever power costs buying it from elsewhere. Okay. Yeah, I was kind of looking at my own use. I just never have had a huge power bill, so I don't have I've, – so I've never really dove too deep down the solar path. But I was just looking at my last 12 months and eight – out of the last 12 months, electric bills were $70 or more. Um, but then I had a few months. I had one month where it was 30 bucks, another month where it was 40 bucks, another 60. Um, well, you guys, probably the average would be somewhere around 60. You have a really nice climate, yeah. right? Yeah. I mean, we obviously don't run the heat a lot. We don't have air conditioning. Right. Um, and then the, so much of the power bill, like for me, I never got to have a power bill for 70 bucks unless I was like on vacation. 
and um you know with the kids and just it's a lot and then it's tiered so you start getting into those next tiers and now you just it just gets runaway fast so um you you're i see mike clicking away on the calculator here uh if you if you apply the historical average of a 5% rate increase every year and again, it, that's going to accelerate. But let's just use 5% to be on the conservative side. In five years, your today's $75 bill, if you change nothing about your consumption, is $96 in five years. So it adds up pretty fast. Yeah. And so imagine you start throwing some 12% increases in there, here and there. It's going to really ramp up quickly. So there's a, I use this term in the mortgage world here. It's the, the cost of do nothing. Right. There is a cost of doing nothing. Um. You know, you got to figure out what that cost is and do your best to anticipate it as you weigh it all out. But there's part of me like, like I, I'm interested, but I just don't, it, it feels like based on the conversations I've had that it's not, I'm, I'm like a cusper right here. I'm, I'm close, but maybe not quite there. But like Jason, I'm like, you know, thinking at some point in the future, we're probably going to have one, if not two electric vehicles and all that. But then I'm thinking, the cost of do nothing. Yeah, I hear you, but there's also the improvement of technology and the efficiency of the panels and and just yeah. the whole system. So if I do wait until I actually have, then the you'll vehicle, have like a dime sized panel that right. you just well, like then I'm gonna flip get the up on the roof. And greatest. And... Yeah, it's gonna, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Maybe, but also don't forget too that this year's the last year of the thirty percent tax credit, I hear which it. is I, a ton I know. There's so many credit. things to evaluate. So if you do this in five years when the credit's gone, and due to inflation over that five year, the panel might be 15% more just by normal inflation. You lose the 30% tax credit. Your PG&E bill is 5% more. And now you have an electric vehicle that you're looking to try to come back and patch this thing up. You're a little late to the dance, right? Maybe. I guess. I, I don't know. I feel like I need Mike to do the full <laughs> analysis because there's so many different things to think about. I'll be happy to do that for you, Dan. <laughs> um, listen, there's another consideration, though. This is a busy year for solar part of, for a lot of reasons. Um, mainly the, the 30% tax credit going down to 26% is what's motivating people. And keep in mind, you have to have the project completed by December 31st in order to qualify. Mm. So we're, we're busy now, and how it's going to get it busier. Yeah, it takes uh, six to eight weeks, depending on how busy we are, to, okay. to go the, from, yes, we signed a contract to, okay, we're ready to go. I don't want to undermine your guys's. It's a good advertising point because it's more than an advertising point. It's a reality. This is the last year of the 30% tax cut. It doesn't go away, though. It drops Drops over to 26%. Time, 26 next year. Right. So if you can't squeeze it in this year, you're going to lose a little bit, but you're not losing at all. Right. Um, so I, I'm, like I said, I, I hate to kind of take the wind out of the sail there of that sales pitch because it's, it's based in fact and it's helpful for people to know. Um, but so that, I mean, that definitely makes a difference. I, Dan, you do feel like a cusper. I've always mm -hmm. thought you were a cusper, and it's probably <laughs> what's kept you from just going and spending a bunch of money that you don't have to spend because you're on the cusp. Um, there's a no-brainer number, though, right? When you're spending two or 300 bucks a month on your electric right. bill, that's where I was. My electric bill was $300 a month on average. And, um, dude, I just got my true-up thing in March because that was the end of my whole first year, and I had a bill. 
I I overused. I overconsumed my system, and I had to send PG and E three hundred bucks. Wow, for the whole year, huh? For yeah. the whole year, for the year. Wow, that's nice. Um. Yeah, it was really nice. I was like, dang, that feels good. That was like <laughs> one month. Um, and I, I had no idea what to expect there. This year, we I know I told you guys this last time. This year, I was a little more willy-nilly with the AC. Like, man, turn that thing on. <laughs> go for it. Turn it down. We already paid for it. Let's go. Let's Seven, use it. 72 feels really hot. <laughs> Let's move that thing down to 68. I'll tell you what, though. I did it with less guilt. I did it with <laughs> I a bet. lot less guilt. Um feel like I wasn't just trashing the environment to control the comfort of the interior of my home. That's right. I was like, man, I'm just using, I'm just using the sun here. Yep. It's, it's coming up and going down no matter what we do. Might as well <laughs> use it. All right. We got a commercial break here. Take some time out to thank the sponsors. We'll be back in a couple minutes here with more Mortgage Matters. All right, guys, welcome back. Um, it's fun. Dan Dan and I are learning a lot here, and I hope you guys are too. I just want to continue on. I have another. Um, I don't. You are now. Oh, I couldn't hear me for a minute. That was terrifying. <laughs> Almost um, like a power outage. It's really disorienting. <laughs> yeah, I was scared. Where's your battery backup, Jim? It's there. Ironically, <laughs> I wanted I, to I ask. I hit a button that I shouldn't have hit. Ah, so, Roger that. that. So I cut off the headphones. I was even scared for a second, but yeah. Oh, so everybody else could hear us. Oh, I just couldn't well, yeah, hear me. Everybody could hear us except for we couldn't hear ourselves. Good. Good. Okay. Sorry about that. That's better. Yeah. Um, yeah, last week we were contending with some guys who were like drilling up through the center of the earth underneath us. <laughs> um, it was very loud. Yeah, but that I, was fun. I didn't listen to the show back, but I heard from other listeners that it wasn't audible over the yeah, microphone. Yeah, that's a good thing because it sure did seem it like it was in here. I was Felt like, loud. what are we doing here? Maybe Mike. we're installing solar panels downstairs. I don't know. It's probably not a technical question, but I have to make this face because I'm trying to wrap my brain around this. If I'm at the... 100% capacity of my system and my usage, right? I'm just right there. I'm okay with it. It's all good. I don't have a battery. If I added a battery, do I somehow get more mileage out of it because I'm going to charge the battery during the day, which right now is more or less spinning my meter backwards, and then I'm buying it back from PG&E at night, and then kind of like so we have that true up thing at the end of the year, but if I have a battery and where I make my own power all day long and then I use a good amount of my own power back at night to where I don't even have to be buying it from PG&E at that point, am I getting more mileage out of my system that way or am I not thinking about this correctly? You are thinking of it correctly. Um, so time of use rates are such that during the peak time, the power is more expensive. During the off-peak time, it's less expensive. The peak time happens to be when you're making a lot of solar power. However, that peak time extends into the evening hours after the sun's gone down. You're not making that power anymore. So your home is being powered from grid-supplied electricity, and you're you're paying the higher price for that. So yes, a good use for batteries. Uh, The batteries we use are made by LG. They're compatible with SolarEdge inverters, and they have different modes that you can program. And we can even program them from our office remotely. We don't have to go to the site to do this. 
So uh, I've got one client, for example, um, they live up by Lake Nassimiano, very, very hot up there. So even after the sun goes down, they're going to be using some air conditioning in the hot months. And so we set them up where half of the battery capacity is on what we call self-consumption mode. So whatever power it's stored during the day, they're going to go ahead and spend to get them through the end of that high rate tier period of time. And then, but when the battery, and it'll back up your whole home, all of your electricity needs. But then when the battery gets to 50% of its capacity, it's going to shut itself off. You're going to start consuming grid supplied power. And it's, that battery is going to reserve that other 50% for backup purposes in case the power goes out. Now, it's important to know, though, that when that battery goes into backup mode, it has an automatic transfer switch that switches it over and only powers a critical loads panel, which consists of four, maybe five circuits. So as a backup, you're, you've got to pick the four or five circuits that you want to be protected for during an outage, and it will only power those. Okay. Hmm. So do you like your lights, your appliances? Your fridge, Most freezer. people want their fridge, um, their Wi-Fi, you know, yeah, light circuits in the main living areas. So the things I'm seeing, like a lot of like, like I live in Rogue Granny. So like Rogue Granny High School, the parking lot is covered with solar panels. Right. And I'm wondering what the, I mean, what's this, the offset of something like, you know, installing things and, you know, the, the parking lot. And I mean, I mean, I don't know how much they would actually save as opposed to the cost of putting up big projects like that. Well, schools are a different kind of a scheme. Um, I, I'm a specialist in residential power. Uh, I also have some experience in commercial power, but at our company, we have different people focus on commercial power because the schemes are totally different, mm-hmm. the financial mechanisms and so on. At a school, they do it through what's called a power purchase agreement where those schools didn't buy that. Someone else funded that, and then oh, they're okay. selling the power to the school at a reduced rate. Oh, okay. But the the companies that built those raised structures are also renting the space. Yeah. So it works out. It, it's a win-win. The the schools get cheaper power for no upfront investment. Mm-hmm. I saw there's that big. I don't know. It's not big. I guess depends on where you are. Anyway, there's the the project that they completed on Highway One. You know, just what is that? North south of CMC. Yeah, south of between CMC and, and Cal, Cal Poly. Poly. Yeah. I would say that's said, big. And they said that was going to produce somewhere in the neighborhood of 25% of the power usage for the school. Wow. That's a lot. Yeah. That's a big project. No, that's good. Yeah. It's a lot of panels. When I was going to softball the other day, I was driving by those and I was thought to myself, man, the, the, the prison... I assume that was mostly for the prison, but it's not. No, it's a school. It's Cal Poly? Mm-hmm. Okay, Cal Poly. Before that, though, they have a PG&E bill, right? right. Yeah. That's got to be one of the most substantial <laughs> bills that they have to run that entire camp. So I can't even wrap my head around it. I bet you that stupid bill is $100,000 a month. Yeah, do they get one bill or does like is, are there multiple bills for different parts of the campus? Uh, it's usually a bill per meter or, well, okay, in a commercial setting like that, you get one bill and it has 
lots and lots of different meters. Right. So it's very difficult to figure out those bills. It's not, <laughs> not at all like the bill you get. It, it's you like know, reading a house. phone bill. Can anyone make I, sense of a phone can bill? Can I just tell you that I find myself confused by my PG&E bill? I'm, I feel like that's a check you write because they just said that's how much. <laughs> yeah, right. Whatever. And yeah. you got me in this tier. And then so what did you then you went retroactively at a higher rate back through those kilowatts? And what's a kilowatt? I don't even know. When you flip a switch that how many I have a 60 watt bulb in there. How much does that cost? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, we got to get you on a different rate plan. I, I have a hunch you're on a less advantageous rate plan. I would love it if you'd look at it. Um, For you, like I said, do it. I didn't get your help. Um, and I say that because I think there are people listening that need to hear this message too. I'm, I'm accused of being a smart guy. And um, I, I don't know that I'll just blanketly accept that. I, did you guys see Warren Buffett and uh, Mundy? They, the Berkshire Hathaway is having a meetup this morning, and they got a quick interview with both of them. And they both made a couple of remarks that I thought were brilliant. Um, said, you know, basically that we don't know everything about everything, um, but basically you know the little things you do know, you know real well, right? And then the little things you don't know, you're a complete buffoon about was the gist of it. And um, I think a lot of people probably fit firmly into that camp. I spent a fair amount of time kind of figuring out how to do the solar and some careful consideration of you know, the products and the warranties and the costs. I used a, a friend that's a licensed electrician with some solar experience, but just clearly, Mike, you're an expert at this, man. You know it backwards and forwards. And so, you know, in the end, I, I was being asked to pick my rate plan. I, I don't know. I need some counsel. And my electrician buddy wasn't good counsel for me. So, you know, maybe I, uh, maybe I, I'm not on the right thing. And, um, but also, you know, those other things like what you're talking about, leaving room for expansion and all the different options and plans and how to evaluate all of those. It's, it's just clear to me that, that there's a real benefit to having a true expert and not just, um, crafting it up yourself. There is, I agree. I mean, you know, the, you took the most economical route to it. And you had a degree of trust with the person you went with, and that makes sense in that regard. Um, you know, the, the lowest price isn't always the best value. Expertise is worth something. It does make sense to, to be very thoughtful um, and, you know, work with an expert that can help you look around the corner at the things you may not be able to foresee. Um, yeah, we can do an awful lot of good to by, by pre-planning for potential um, future upgrades or whatever. But also... The rules are always changing. So a couple of years ago when you did it, the rules were different. They're, yeah. The same rate plans weren't available. But see, and I also, there was other things I didn't even get good counsel on, though. Like, I'm such a knucklehead. I went and washed my solar panels with hose water like four times last year because it looked like a half inch of dirt on them. And then I heard you at one of our meetings say, ah, don't do that. You're right. better off to have the dust and the hard water deposits. And I'm, and I'm thinking, man, what a knucklehead I am. I don't put the hose water on my car. Right. So don't because I don't want the spots on it because <laughs> right. they don't come off. Yeah. Yet I'm up there going, well, these black things, and I'm going to hit them with this water and then not even dry them off, just leave it there <laughs> um, where they can 
properly sunbake on as permanently as possible. Um, Ladies you know and gentlemen, I mean? if you're going to wash off your solar panels, don't do it when it's hot. Uh, use soft water if it's possible. If not, use some sort of sheeting agent or a squeegee or some sort of way to get those water droplets off of there so they don't make a deposit. That's, That's my smart. Public service and, um, and also, I would say very common sense of which I did not have. <laughs> so, again, having somebody that knows these things just to sort of say, okay, dummy, yeah, you're still going to hit light switches and do everything you used to do. Here's all the things you need to think about. You know, that's a, th- there's value to that for sure. Um, but I will say also that most, you know, most residences, if you're, if you're in town, let's say you're in downtown slow, you're not dealing with dusty conditions anywhere near like you have at your place. Yeah. And so for most homeowners, the cleaning of the panels is not a major consideration. Right. Um, th- yeah. And I noticed too, like over the winter when it rained so much. They were obviously always very clean. Um, I just poked my head out there. Right now, they still look pretty clean. There was times, and it's funny, I have the little app on my phone, right? But So I would I would start to feel like I'm watching it, and I'm like, ah, I'm getting 15% less, and it's got to be that dust. So I go lean the ladder up and go hose the things off. And it's funny, like it shows the, the you know, the actual metering throughout the day of what's being produced. And you could see this little pop where you do get some percentage of it back from hosing them off. But in, in, so that felt good, right? Yeah. I went up there and hosed it down and now look at me. I'm back over 40 kilowatts today. <laughs> but the problem is the long-term impact of spraying hose water on the thing is I was doing more harm in the long term than good. So right. <laughs> now I think now me thinks I'm going to just have dirty panels a lot. Yeah. Um, and then maybe, I don't know, what do you do? Get some kind of soft water filter to put on your hose or just hire a solar cleaner. Do you guys have guys that come clean them? We do not. Uh, th- we work with uh, window cleaning services. A couple of them we have alliances with, and sometimes we make special offers. Um, but yeah, window cleaning services, and many of them have geared up to do solar panel cleaning. Mm. They have specialized equipment, and they use sometimes deionized water or some sort of a sheeting agent additive to the water. Uh, it, you know, it's a service, so the cost for that can add right up. I would say that if you're going to have your panels done, maybe try to negotiate a good deal for all the windows in your home at the same time. You know, There you go. A little economy of scale there. I have another question for you, too, is I know this is a major sticking point for most individuals and, and solar companies, but um, a lot of them don't ever want to mess with someone else's work. There's a panel that, like is broken or underperforming or the whole system has some issue or they just need to upgrade it or replace an inverter. And and a lot of times um, the person that installed it is gone out of business, Um, which was kind of why I started by saying AM Sun Solar has been around for 18 years and counting. Um, So you guys are willing to work on somebody else's system. With caveats. Um, yeah. it, it's a lot more complicated to approach a system like that than it is to just make a system for someone from scratch. So um, we only have one person in our company that will tackle those projects, and that, that person happens to be me. Uh, I'm faced with limitations, though, in that I don't want to void anybody's warranty. So I cannot crack into somebody else's system. I Usually it takes the form of me adding a small system 
side by side to the existing system. Mm-hmm. Um, but other times I just, you know, if, if I can't help, I make a recommendation for someone they can turn to to get that help in a, you know, on a smaller scale solution. Yeah. Well, and you're, um, this part I can just say is I know you personally, you're a good dude. You're not going to turn away somebody that's going to call and ask for a little bit of help or direction, even if it's just for referral. You're a good guy like that. Um, and I think that that's just refreshing, right? It's not like you're calling into corporate America where some dude's like, well, I'm not making a penny on you, so I don't have time for you. Yeah. You're, the, you're the opposite of that. You're a helpful small town dude with a, a good heart. You have a good heart, Mike Belford. Well, thank you, Jason. Yeah, no, I just like helping people make informed decisions. And along the way, I get my fair share of business or maybe a little more than that. But, you know, I don't win them all. Sometimes people want to go a different direction. Uh, I like to think that I help them along the way. And uh, that works for me. I'm happy good. with that. Um, right now, real quick, I'm not going to throw you out yet, but... Um, What's your phone number? Somebody's listening right now that wants to call you as soon as we get off the air and wants to talk to you about they're in that no-brainer camp um, of needing solar bad or something. So, My cell phone rings direct to my cell phone, 805-769-4987, 769-4987. And uh, I've got a slick email address, solarmike805 at gmail.com. You like that, Solar Mike? I like it. It matches your tattoo. (laughs) (laughs) You get we're on the radio, so you guys can't see us. Mike has the sweetest neck tat. It says Solar Mike. Mom, he's lying. (laughs) I do not have a neck tat. I have the same old Marine Corps tat that I've always had. Good. A Marine guy, eh? Hoorah. There you go. Um, All right. It's breaky time. All right, I would say it is, yes. Yeah, cool. All right, we're going to do a commercial break here. And, uh, yeah, then we'll be back in a couple minutes here with more Mortgage Matters. All right, everybody, welcome back. We got the final segment here. Um I wanted to just, again, say Mike Belford and AM Sun Solar, uh, you heard their commercial during the break. They're a sponsor of the show. Um, It's a strategic partnership for us. Uh, We like the company. We like Mike. We like what AM Sun Solar stands for. Um, And we don't. We don't have advertisers that we don't believe in, and we don't make references for companies that we don't stand behind. And so um, you should know we don't take it lightly. Mike, I really appreciate you coming on today, um, taking some time out. Um, Let's do it again sometime. Let's do. I love it. Thank you. And I know we gave your number out a minute ago, but I want to do it again. Uh, We got cell phone number 769-4987 that's the 805 variety 769-4987 and um your business card says m belford at amsunsolar.com but you said you have um solar mike 805 at gmail it's just easier solar mike 805 at gmail.com mike thank you uh like I said, I really appreciate you uh, 
coming in today and taking the time. And I hope anybody that's listening um, that's that's wanting um, solar help, whether it's just to, to talk through some strategies or to just pull the trigger on throwing a system together and getting it in before that, that tax credit goes down or away. Um, I hope everybody realizes that, uh, that you're the, the right dude to call. So thanks. You're Thank you. All right, Mike, I bid you adieu. I'll Have see a you great soon. One. Bye everybody. Mr. Dan. I'm here. What did we say we were leaving towards the end? <laughs> ah, some housing. Yes. Case Schiller home price index came out. Did you clip that? We're going to dive back into some news. Yeah, real quick, we got to hit all the bases because we said we would. Um, there are some of the the mortgage heads that listen to the show um, that that want to know about that. So, um, yeah, we got a home price index. We got a pending home sales index. We had a little bit of manufacturing and construction numbers to talk about. So, let's hit it. All right. Where do you want to start? I saw pending home sales. I always like that. Pending home sales. Um, yeah, interestingly enough, those are the first two parts on my notes. I actually actually have the home price index, Case and Chiller home price index ahead because they came out on the same day. And the um, the Case and Schiller headlines, the one that here's what I wrote down, screeched to a six and a half year low, hmm. um, which is interesting. Those aren't my words. That's literally cut and pasted, um, screeched to a six and a half year low, um, the rate of home price appreciation on the national index. And I think it's funny because, um, screeched implies, uh, just an abrupt kind of halting, you know, almost like you're screeching tires before the big wreck um home prices are um at a three percent increase over the same period last year Mm -hmm. and i just want to remind everybody you probably saw those headlines too if you get your nose from anywhere but here um healthy in the housing economy is three to five percent home price appreciation per year so we've been normal yeah normal i don't even know that healthy it's that's the normal like considered a normal market i like the word healthy yeah i think a a housing market could be healthy even outside of that range well not if i mean i would argue otherwise if appreciation was being outpaced by inflation right 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 yeah, and and, and also, home price appreciation is still outplay, outpacing inflation. And I'm going to suggest also that if you have six, eight, ten percent home price appreciation, that is unhealthy. Yeah, it's unsustainable. Unsustainable for sure. Um, it's it's obvious symptom of a supply and demand imbalance. So here we have. Um, Falling to that, you call it normal, I call it healthy. We're saying the same-ish thing. Um, this is not an alarming number. Well, and it's not surprising. I, don't, I wouldn't call it a screech to a halt is when you go from you know 50 miles an hour to zero. Screeching <laughs> to a six and a half year low. Oh, uh, whatever. That implies <laughs> a significant decrease. It totally um, does. We've had slow and steady declining rates of appreciation 
for a number of years now. I held your hand and walked you here because the March pending home sales index skyrocketed. Right. We screeched in the same morning with value data as we skyrocketed uh, with the home sales index, which I think is hilarious. Um and by the way, the pending home sales number um, declined 1.2% over the previous 12-month period. We've been seeing this, and we've been feeling it. Um, so there is a little bit of correlation here, though. Um, as the pending home sales are declining over the year, um, you would think that the prices would be increasing more, right? As fewer people are selling homes, um, that would be that supply and demand component. But home prices feel like they're just at the boiling point. They're high. Um, you don't believe me? Go buy a house in San Luis. You got to be something special today to be a first-time home buyer in San Luis. You can't be average. Um, Entry level in San Luis Obispo City feels like it's seven fifty or higher. It's crazy. Um, you know, you, you other parts of the county, you you know, I think five hundred, six hundred thousand, and some of the coastal communities. You know, maybe maybe you can get into the three or four hundred thousand range in some of the far north or far south parts of the county, but it's few and far between, and and usually there's there, there's you know, it's a, it's not got all the new, newest and greatest features that homes have. No, or it's a condo with a $500 a month HOA, right. which equates to another $100,000 of home cost, right? Because I'll just make that point real quick in case I confuse anybody. A $400,000 condo with a $500 HOA fee is going to be the same debt service as a $500,000 standalone home. Mm-hmm. So that being said, yeah, you might be finding some of the stuff at the lower end at the ends of the county, um, but d the debt service payment to it is not very different than that, you know, that $500,000. And yeah, you and say And HOA that, payments change too. They don't stay the same all the time. In the North County, it feels like 450 is going to basically be your, your minimum ticket to enter. And um, man, it's a lot of money. So, um, anyhow, the last little piece of data there, construction spending decreased a little bit. Um, it decreased 0.9% in March. Um, it's decreased 0.8% year over year. Residential construction was down 1.8% for the month and 8.4% year over year. That's a number to watch because, obviously, in, as we talk about home values um, and also the supply and demand component, construction spending is a good look in how much money we're spending on those things and what sort of inventory is coming your way. Just want to highlight real quick the time period for which these uh, price and pending home sales reports were reporting for. The home prices were reporting for February. The pending sales were reporting for March. Yep. Keep in mind, this is a wet winter as opposed to last year, pretty dry winter. So you would expect a little less activity going on. Um, I, none of this is alarming. We keep you our eye on it to see if there's use a trend. Screeched and no, skyrocketed. No, but that's today's sensation. That's today's world to 
attract attention because otherwise it's we're just so numb to to words that aren't screeching or skyrocketing um i want to just offer to you guys if you need loan help give us a call um we're always happy to do a checkup on your current situation make sure you're in the right product doing the right thing sometimes it couples together with your retirement plan if you need to look at doing a 15 or 20 year loan um, if you want to buy a vacation home or an investment property we're licensed to do loans the entire state of california so we could help you if you want to buy that place up in in tahoe or down in big bear wherever you are we could we could give you some counsel in terms of what you need for down payment what you're looking at in terms of um you know all of the the factors that go into it. If you are a hopeful, um, you want to buy your first home, we'd love to work with you. Uh, we can help you come up with a game plan and a budget and a timeline. We can help you have realistic expectations and um, help you be prepared for that process. So if you want any of that help, give us a call. We're 805-543-5626, which is 805-543-LOAN. In case you're driving, you need to remember that later. Or centralcoastlending.com. Go find us there. You can uh, check us out, fill out a loan application, um, read about all the relevant information that you need to know, and also listen to uh, any of the podcasts of the past shows. So thanks Hey, much. and a big happy birthday tomorrow to Jason Grody. Oh, thank happy you. Birthday. Happy birthday. Happy birthday, Jason. Yeah, Cinco de Mayo. And... Thanks, everybody, for voting us the best mortgage company in Slow County. Woohoo! Have a great week. We'll be back next week with more Mortgage Matters.